Hola, Cuba. I had the privilege of being in Cuba last year. It was one of the great delights of my life. And I want you to know that God is alive and well in the country of Cuba. One of the greatest, most powerful services that I've been in in the last couple of years was in Cuba. And so we just continue to pray for the church there. It's not as easy to be a Christian in Cuba as it is here in America. We have great freedoms here. They have very limited freedoms. And so we continue to pray. Thank God for missionaries like Damien Zemacola and his family. Yesterday, we had a huge day out at the Orange Campus. Everyone say, moving forward. It was awesome. We had about 50 people come out yesterday. We're going to show a few pictures here. We were planting plants. We were vacuuming carpets. We were painting walls. Even the kids joined in. And uh, we had just a great, great time. We got a lot of work done, but we are counting down. Everyone say countdown. We got two weeks until we celebrate Moving Sunday, August 23rd, 2015. Come on, give God a big hand. I need your help. you got to invite somebody. we got these cards up there. I've been, I've been inviting the guys that are working up at the campus up there, the guys that we are paying to work. And then, listen, we all have a part in this moving forward. I want you to get, pick up the phone, call a friend. It's going to be an exciting first Sunday. It's going to be an exciting move for us. But we've also made it really easy for you to hand out an invite card. I took a goofy picture last night. and uh, But you can take a couple of these today. Invite a friend. Uh, we'll have our Sunday morning service at 9 o'clock and 1030. We'll have two services instead of three. And then our midweek service will be at 7 p.m. And then our Celebrate Recovery will be at uh, 7 p.m. on Thursday. So everyone's moving over. The City Church Academy will continue to operate out of here, which we are grateful to the Lord for what he's doing. It looks like we're on track to have a record year at City Church Academy this year. Come on, give God a big hand. I am so grateful, so grateful for the journey that God has taken us on. On June 20th, June 20-something, 2004, we had our very first service in this building. I still remember it. I still remember that I actually wore a suit that day, which I'm not going to wear a suit on my first day at the campus. Of it. I don't do suits anymore. I got saved. <laughs> I got so casual now, I even wear sandals on Sunday morning, man. I'm just like, I'm not over that. But in 2004, God spoke to my heart very clearly that we were a church that would continue to move forward. That this facility that we're currently located and we're currently operating and serving the Lord and having ministry to this community would not be our final place. And not even saying that the next location will be our final place. Because I don't know God. I don't know what God's ultimate purposes are. I know God, but I don't know what his ultimate plan for our church is. But I know for this season, our next step is to move forward and to possess and to take and to operate and to serve and to love and to bring God's love to our community at 1711 Orange Boulevard. And everyone said amen. amen. In 2004, God put it in our hearts because we had been operating as a church for five years and he had finally given us a, us a home. Finally given us a home where we could bring his love to the city in a greater capacity. And I just begin to calculate in my mind and begin to write some numbers down of some things that have happened in this campus over the 11, last 11 years. In the last 11 years on this campus, I have preached 2,275 times. 
We have taken communion together as a church family 1,715 times. We've had over a 1,000 families go through City Church Academy. We've had over a 1,000 people become members or take their next step here at City Church. We've had healings, miracles, people saved, people filled with the Holy Spirit. We've seen the scriptures proclaimed and declared. We've seen lives changed. Over the last 11 years on this campus, our outreach, Operation Blessing, has given away over 2,500 food baskets. Come on. Can you give God a great big hand? I mean, there are so many things that God has allowed us to do. And as I begin to talk to people that have lived in the Sanford community, they have said that there's never been a church like this that's expressed the diversity of God's kingdom like City Church. From youngest to oldest, I ran into a pastor's wife just recently, and they had attended our church a few months ago, and she couldn't believe all the young people that are at our church. God has moved. God has visited us in a powerful way because we believe that we have a message, a message of hope for this generation. When I look out at this congregation this morning, I, along with the psalmist, David, declare the Lord has done this. It is marvelous in his sight. The Lord has done this. It is marvelous in his sight. What God has done in this church has been nothing short of supernatural. It's been amazing to see the work of God and His Spirit as we've set our hearts to raise up the next generation to bring the message of the kingdom forward. Back in 2007, I was going through some pictures this week, and I I found this baptismal picture that I wanted to show you. In the pool of this baptismal, you guys can see on your far left over there is Pastor Glenn. In the middle is a young girl. She's 11 years of age. She's experiencing the pools of baptism for the first time. And then over on your right is Dave Stewart, who was the brother of of the, the gentleman that just dedicated his child. And Glenn and Dave at that time were serving. Dave was ministering in different areas of the church. He was working as my assistant, working in middle school and everything else that I passed off to him at that time. But God began to move in our church in a very powerful way. In 2003, God had given me a vision of a revival of youth. I, I just, it was so clear. I mean, it was a dream. I saw it. I knew it. I knew that it was going to happen. I just didn't know when. And then when Pastor Glenn came to City Church, we began to partner together. And there was an explosion. The largest youth church that the city of Sanford has ever known, has ever seen, took place right here inside of these four walls. God saved, I don't know how many, but there were thousands of young people that have come from Seminole High School and Millennial Middle School and Crooms Academy and Lake Mary over the last 11 years. It has been amazing. I've seen lives change and young people get married and go off to college. I've just, I've just been amazed at the work of God. And in my spirit, there's a sense of a win. Everyone say big win. You know, there's something about winning in your life that enables you, propels you to be able to believe God for something greater. When you begin to win in your spiritual journey, in your spiritual life with God, it gives you a sense of confidence. A sense of confidence that God really is with you. Our story this morning with the children of Israel and the story of Joshua. We're in Joshua chapter 5. And last week we had Alton Garrison, one of the great communicators of the world. One of the great communicators in our generation with us. And he talked about this story. He talked about the challenge that the Israelites experienced as they were moving forward. And when you're moving forward in God, you will have challenges. 
The Bible never said that when you become a Christian, you'll never have a problem again. As a matter of fact, exactly the opposite happens. The moment you step into God's kingdom, you engage in a different realm and a different dimension of your life that you've never known. It's called the spiritual dimension. And in the spiritual dimension, there's a warfare. There's a battle. God had made a promise to the children of Israel. God had created. God had made. God had destined. God had appointed them to be people of blessing. God had called them. God had done something in their life that no other God could do. God had set them apart to have a personal relationship with Him. As we're moving forward in this series, as we're moving forward in the purpose that God has created us for, the children of Israel have just spent 40 years in the desert. 40 years in the wilderness. Have you ever experienced a wilderness period in your life? You ever experience a season where you're just like, God, what is going on? Why is this so hard? Maybe you, you've experienced a season where you just felt dry. Just felt dry. Not wanting to go to church. Not really wanting to open your Bible. Not wanting to do spiritual things. And you're like, what is going on? And I have found that it's in those times that I actually open my Bible and read it. Or I open my mouth and begin to worship. Or I crawl out of bed and make myself go to church because it's a determination of my soul. You say, well, you're a pastor. You have to go to church. No, I don't. I'm a big boy. I'm 52 years old. No one put a gun to my head and said, you got to go to church today. I could just let Pastor Glenn show up. Where's Pastor Eugene? Nah, he went to the beach today. He looked at the weather map. It was a really nice day. He decided not to go. <laughs> now I made a decision on my will. I mean, there's not one person in this room that hasn't experienced some season of wilderness, some season of testing, some season where life seems to be challenging. But in this moment, in the history of Israel, that was not the case. They had come out. Everyone said, come out. They had just crossed the Jordan River. The waters never parted for them again after that experience. That was a miracle. Everyone say miracle. That was an incredible miracle. That was an unbelievable, everyone say unbelievable. That was an unbelievable miracle. The waters had parted. Guys, they got a win. They're feeling the spiritual momentum. The, the, their faith level is high. They're believe. Wow, God is really with them. Look what he did. And not only did they believe, but all the nations around them knew. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Joshua chapter 5, verse number 1. Joshua chapter 5, verse number 1. I'll give you just a minute to get there. But in Joshua chapter 5, we see the story before they actually go in and possess the promise of God. See, God had a promise for them. Their promise was natural. God had promised their forefather Abraham 400 years before that they would possess a physical land. A long journey. 400 years of slavery. 40 years of wilderness period. But now was their moment. Now was their big day. Everyone say big day. They're going to possess the land. But before they possess the land, there's some things that have to happen in their life. In verse number one, the Bible says, When all the Amorite kings west of the Jordan and all the Canaanite kings who lived along the Mediterranean coast heard how the Lord had dried up the Jordan so the people of Israel could cross. They lost heart and were paralyzed with fear because of them. They were the talk of the town. They were the big dogs on the street. God was with them. 
God was with them. But God would position them and bring them to a place where they would never forget. They would never forget that no matter where they went, no matter what they did, they were totally dependent upon Him. Momentum in your life is a big thing. It's a huge thing. We teach a class here, Dave, a Dave Ramsey class on financial makeover. Dave Ramsey teaches these principles on how to get out of debt and how to, to, how to start to attain wealth and how to, how to manage your wealth and how to be a good steward of the resources that God gives you. And one of the principles that he teaches is called the snowball theory or the snowball principle. And basically the principle goes like you've got a bunch of debt. You've got a bunch of credit cards. You've got, a, you know, you've got an automobile loan. You've got a house loan. He says the, the first thing you do when you really decide to go, off, go after and paying off all your debt is you pay the smallest bill first. And you get it paid off. Because that little victory gives you the faith and the confidence and the hope for the next victory. Then you pay that one off. Now you're starting to get on a roll. Now you're starting to build some momentum. Everyone say momentum. Big Mo is your best friend when you have it and your worst nemesis if you don't. If your life sucks and you're going down the wrong way fast. And life is hard and challenging. You have a lack of mo. Everyone say lack of mo. But God hasn't created us to be people of lack. God's created us to be people of abundance. Dave says it like this. He says, he calls it the momentum theorem. Focus, intensity, over time, multiplied by a big God, creates unstoppable momentum. Unstoppable momentum. God's created momentum in your spirit. God wants you. God's desire for you is to abound. God's desire for you is to be blessed. God's desire for you is to experience his favor. It's the heart of God. You think God just wants your life to be hard? He, no, no, come on. That's goofy. That's goofy. I got two boys. My oldest son is getting married this coming Friday. Do you think I'll come on? Amen. Let's give him a great big hand. Oh, man, I want him to have a sucky marriage. I want his life to fall apart. You've got to be kidding me. That's the stupidest thinking in the world. I see some parents around here. I see the way you drive your kids to every game, to every practice, to every concert. You, I mean, you, pay, you give money when you don't have money. You know why? Because you want them to have a good life. You want them to have a better life than you. God created us to be people who are blessed but it's always for the purpose so that we can be a blessing. Not just materially. It's in every dimension of our life. God wants you to be blessed with a sense of joy and peace and love and acceptance and forgiveness. We're preparing ourselves to move into a new location. And I believe that we are moving forward into a new season spiritually as well. This thing has never been about a building. It's never been about a geographical place, but it's always been about the space right here in this little 12-inch box right in the middle of my chest called my heart, called the hearts of people in this community. We call it the souls of mankind, the people that Jesus died for, the people that Jesus loved, the people that Jesus came for. This message, our motive, our mission, our mandate has always been to make the name of Jesus famous in our city. Come on, someone give God a hand clap. God's preparing us. We're moving forward. Everyone say forward. Everyone say upwards. We're moving forwards and upwards. 
very first week of July of this year, we closed on a property located on 1711 Orange Boulevard. We negotiated for over a year on this property. The property that you currently are on, the, the property, the gift that God gave us back in 2004, sits on three usable acres, two acres that are called wetlands you can't do anything with. This property was originally developed in the 1950s and has been completely developed since then. Uh, we looked at every way to try to expand this campus and to figure out how to make more room so that more people could hear about the name of Jesus, and it just wasn't possible. And then a little over a year ago, the Lord opened up a door. There's a property located over on Orange Boulevard. You put that, prop, that the picture of that. That's, I want to just thank Google Earth for making that nice picture for me. <laughs> They're nice guys, aren't they? I looked at that. That's 12 acres. It's all buildable land. It's prime real estate in Seminole County. It has an auditorium that seats over 700, the main auditorium. It's got a children's facility that seats over 200. It's even got 10 restroom stalls for the women. <laughs> Our speaker last week, we passed each other in the hallway back here going to the restroom. And he walked out of there and he said, Whoo, you have to really want to go to church here to use those restrooms. <laughs> I'm not making that up. He said that to me. Now, you talk about a church growth killer? Just go to city church bathrooms. Ah. <laughs> That's all for free. I want to prepare our hearts for the big move today. I want to prepare our hearts for the next step of this journey. In our story this morning, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn. There were several things that they had to do, but I want you to look at verse number 2 of chapter 5. The Bible says, at that time, the Lord told Joshua, make flint knives and circumcise the second generation of Israelites. God was calling them to a renewed commitment to his ways. They were on their way to the promised land. Their faith was high. The miracle, the Jordan parting, and then walking on dry ground was the buzz of all the people. But they still, quite, they still weren't quite ready for the next step. They still weren't quite ready to, to possess the land, to conquer Jericho. You know, this, these are natural stories, and Paul the Apostle tells us these natural illustrations of the children of Israel are meant for us spiritually. There's a spiritual application. They weren't ready for their next step in God. My question to you today, are you ready? Are you really ready? Are you really right with God? Is your heart really in the right place to experience His blessing, His favor, His grace? Are you really ready? They weren't. As we look at this story, we, we see the Bible says that God spoke to Joshua. You know, God still speaks today. We as believers have the Holy Spirit living in us. And he speaks to us. God spoke to me last night. It was this little prick of my inner person that said I did something wrong. I did something wrong. I was up here last night working, and we were putting the final touches on the service, working through the PowerPoint, making sure everything was correct, and going through the video so that you guys would experience a, a good service today. And, and so as we were going through that, I, I have a tendency, I know what I want when I see it, and especially the way that the service goes. And the person that I was working with, I, I said something to them really short. I was really curt. And if you guys have been around me, 
you know that I never do that. <laughs> oh my. I mean, I'm growing. Come on. There ain't none righteous. There's no one got this figured all out. I'm growing in grace and love. It's amazing that our staff has stayed with us this long. But we love each other dearly. We're like family. We fight, for, we fight with one another, but we also fight for one another. And I just said it, and I just felt immediately like just pricked in my heart. I'm like, oh, what? But, you know, I'm a man, and men can't ask for, like, you know, that's just, and she's just in person. But as I pulled out of the driveway, the Holy Spirit said, you've got to ask for forgiveness. I'm like, no, you know you're arguing with God. No, it's not that big of a deal. Yeah, come on, you know. Finally, all right. And I rolled down the window. I said, I'm really sorry. And, and the individual had probably experienced that more than once because it didn't even seem to notice. And uh, she said, oh, no problem. You're forgiven. So that's the Holy Spirit speaking to me. God speaks to us today. He speaks to our conscience. He speaks to our hearts. God spoke to Joshua. You see, the promise of God was he'd, he would bless his children. God told Abraham, your responsibility is to obey the terms of the covenant. And all your descendants have this continual responsibility. The reason that Joshua was blessed of God, the reason that Joshua went in and destroyed cities and possessed the things that God had called him to take, to do. The reason was because you obey the Lord. In verse number two, I want you to see this. The Bible says, at that time, the Lord told Joshua, make flint knives and circumcise the second generation of Israelites. So the first generation of Israelites that had left Egypt, the place of not enough. Everyone say not enough. When you were in your sin, when you were far from God, when you were maybe you'd grown up in a church and you knew all the right answers and blah, 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 blah. That means nothing. Some of the I was my baddest when I wasn't serving the Lord, still going to church. That don't mean nothing. But my heart, see, when your heart's far from God, it doesn't matter how spiritual you appear to be. God sees your heart. These were God's covenant people, but they were in the land of not enough. They were in slavery for 400 years. You know, in this room, there are still some people. You're in slavery. You're in the place of not enough. Oh, yeah, I'm, not, I'm free. I'm an American. Bless God. I'm glad to be an American. Nah. But you're a slave to sin. You're a slave to your lust. You're a slave to your selfish desires. Whew. Look at God says. God says, I need this second generation to be circumcised. Because the first generation, those who were led, those who were set free from the bondage of Egypt, they're never going in. They're not going to make it. You can read the next few verses. They're all going to die off. There's a generation that disobeyed God. And you know what they disobeyed the Lord in? It's very fascinating. Paul the Apostle gives us a little bit of a clue in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. He said they did two things. He said they did two things that kept them from living the blessed life. First, they committed sexual immorality. They practiced any kind of sexuality that they wanted to, and they thought they were still okay with God. Nah, it doesn't work like that. Our bodies are a temple. We're a vessel. The Holy Spirit lives in us. He wants us to live abundant. He wants us to live blessed. But sexual bondage has trapped so many people. And they were trapped. But they also did something else. They complained. The Bible says they were murmurs. Moses. 
What is he doing? Did you see Ethel? Did you see Moses today? <laughs> Good Jewish grandma. You can just hear. Rah, rah, rah. Bernice, did you put the chicken on the pot already? I mean, just complain, complain, complain. Yeah, the government doesn't do this, and my husband doesn't do that, and my kids don't do this, and blah, 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 blah. Just always looking at the glasses half empty. Always looking at the negative. They murmured and complained. And God said because they complained against him, they weren't going in. You see, their complaining was actually a lack of faith. They really didn't have trust in God. They really didn't believe that that period, that 10-day journey, hear me today, from the time that they left Egypt to the place of Canaan, the place of promise, was 10 days. It took them 40 years. You know why? Because they decided that God really wasn't that good. I mean, I know he only parted the Red Sea. I know that all the armies of Egypt were only swallowed up and went to the bottom. We're out here. How are we going to get taken care of? And how are we going to pay the bills this month? And how? How? Why? Why, God? This bitterness grabbed a hold of their heart and filled them with unbelief. They failed to see that the promise that God had for them was a land of milk and honey. It was a place of abundance. It was a place of victory. It was a place of overcoming. Jesus said, I've come to give you life and to give it to you more abundantly. Jesus has a land, a spiritual land of peace. You know what happens when I confess my sin? I'm forgiven. There is no greater feeling on planet Earth than knowing that I've been forgiven. Oh, this whole message here, this whole message in Joshua is about the grace of God, the goodness of God, the love of God for His people. They obeyed. I mean... You know, I can't get into all the depths of this, but you think about these men. These are adult men being circumcised. Oh, dang. I'm like, nah, not me. It ain't going to happen. That is no good. No bueno, as we say in Espanol. No bueno, man. Oh. <laughs> Hear me today. Listen. Listen. They're right here. Here's Jericho. Here's the promise. Here's the place of abundance. Here's the blessing. To cross the Jordan. They're positioned. Their faith is high. They're ready to go in. God says, no, 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 no. There's something you got to do. You got to get your heart right. You got to get your heart right. Circumcision of the Old Testament was just a reflection of people who were dedicated and committed to the purposes, the plans, and the promises of God. That's all it was. They were men who would lead the people forward. Yeah, the women were involved. But listen, it was the men. Not a bunch of weenie, wimpified, blah, blah, blah. No, men, real men, real men who would get circumcised as an adult. Oh, they said, God, we're going to obey you rather than obey our flesh. God, we're going to do what you've asked us to do, no matter how we feel about this. You know what they were doing? They were putting themselves in a position of vulnerability because as adult men, Jericho was just on the other side. Just They're in Gilgag right now, just right around. I mean, literally, the people of Jericho could see them camped out there, ready to go in and to take that city. And the men do this, and they're completely vulnerable, and they're completely exposed. They're in a place of weakness. And that's when faith really works. 
That's when your faith really works. And you say, God, I can't. Oh, God, I, I am a mess. God, I, you know, as long as you can pull it off and as long as you can make it happen and stir yourself up, and we, can, we got this thing. We're all that. You're not all that. As long as you think that, God, this is go ahead. But they're in a position here. They need God. I love this. I, I love what happens here. I love this. In verse number 9, verse number 8, it says, And after all the males had been circumstanced, and they rested in the camp until they were healed. It just says, God protected them. God protected them. God was their source. God was their helper. God was their healer. God was their provider. God was their savior. He was their father. God was with them. Hebrews chapter 11 says, It is impossible to please God without faith. And anyone who wants to come to Him must believe that God exists and He rewards those who seek Him. The reward, look at verse number 9 with me. The reward, then the Lord told Joshua, Today I've rolled away the shame of your slavery in Egypt. So that this place has been called Gilgal, the place where it was rolled away to this day. <laughs> it was rolled away. Their shame, their failures, their mistakes, their discouragements, their disappointments. All that was rolled away in one fell sweeping moment. Paul the Apostle talking about spiritual circumcision of the heart to the church of Colossae. says, when you came to Christ, you were circumcised. But not a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision. The cutting away of your sinful nature. The fact is that you can go in and possess the promises of God. Because Jesus has come to set you free. That's what the cross is all about. At the cross. At the cross. Where I first saw the light. And the burdens of my soul rolled away. The moment God wipes those burdens away. Let me tell you. There's some joy. There's some forgiveness. There's a sense, wow, the grace of God, the love of God is so amazing. Oh, he rolls it away. He rolls my shame. But God, I did that last night. No, 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 no. No, no, I rolled it all away. I cut away the sinful nature. Jesus says, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. He's come to give you life. He's come to give you freedom. We have a sinful nature that wants to keep resurrecting. But when we say yes to God, we say yes to the Lord, that old man dies. Paul says, it is not I that lives, but it is Christ, the Christos, the anointing, the Spirit of God that lives in me. He lives in you today. He wants you to live free in Him. We sing that song, live free. I love the songs. Our young people are leading us in here. Just that freedom of worship. I've been saved by grace. Oh, I am a mess without God. I am not a good husband. I'm not a good dad. I'm not good nothing without God. I'm a wreck. I'm a broken person. But God came. And by His grace, He reconciled me to Him through His Son, Jesus. By His grace. Blessed is the man whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is those whose sins the Lord does not count against them, the psalmist said. I will confess my transgression, and the Lord will forgive the guilt of my sin. There's one last thing that I want you to see this morning. Joshua, Joshua, before he went in, 
before he went in, he had to get the people in a position where their mindset was different, to begin to think differently about their life and how God created them and who they were in him. They had to begin to think differently. This whole story, this whole story is about getting a right perspective of who God is and who you are in relationship to him. And then verses 13 through 15, it's one of the most fascinating encounters that a man ever has in the Bible with God. Verse number 13, the Bible says, When Joshua was near the town of Jericho, he looked up and he saw a man standing in the front of him with a sword in hand. And Joshua went up and demanded, went up to him and demanded, Are you a friend? Are you a foe? Joshua, he has an epiphany. Theologians call it a Christophany. Or theophany. God himself through his son Jesus. Pre-incarnate. Before Jesus had come to earth as a baby. And grow up as a man. Jesus came and visited Joshua. I want you to see this here. I want you to see this here. See this is a battle that they're about to engage into. Joshua's got a lot of faith. But right now he needs more than just the power of God. Listen. He needs more than just the power. I believe in miracles. I believe in miracles. I've seen it. But we need more than miracles today. You need more than miracles just to save you out of the place when you're in the land of just enough. You need the presence of God. To kn- you need to know the presence of God is with you while you're living in the place of abundance and blessing. Look at it. I want you to see this here. I want you to see what happens here. The leader says to him, neither one. I am the commander of the Lord's army. At this Joshua fell on his face to the ground in reverence. I am at your command. What do you want your servant to do? And the commander of the Lord's army said, Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy. The place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did as he was told. He was the commander of the Lord's army. The commander of the Lord's army. He was the captain. He was a king of kings and the Lord of lords. He was the great I am. He was there in the beginning. He'll be there at the end. He has a name. See, in the Old Testament, Joshua is literally the New Testament transliteration of Jesus. Jesus had an encounter with the real Jesus, the one Jesus. And the Bible says that he fell at his feet and began to give him reverence, which means to worship you see, when you don't feel like it is when real worship takes place in your life. When, when you don't feel like worshiping God, when you don't feel like doing things that are spiritual, and you say yes, is a believe, moment I believe it's a sacrifice of praise, a sacrifice of worship. He encounters Jesus. The Bible says that the, the commander of the army of the Lord of hosts told him to take off your shoes. The place where you are standing that moment, Joshua's encounter with God changed him forever. Changed him forever. You see, today, some of you are trying to do this on your own. Some of you are still stuck back in Egypt. You're trapped and broken and you've never fully surrendered to God. Some of you kind of like the children of Israel. You're just living on your own and you've got a little bit of God and He's good and it's good enough. But God's got something better. It's called the place of more than enough. The land of blessing. The promise of God. 
The promises of God are yes, amen, to them that believe. Joshua found his strength at his source in worshiping God. I want you to stand with me right now. The worship team is going to come. I thank you this morning for allowing me. Joshua was a leader. He was a man who loved God. But he knew, he knew that he knew who God was. He knew that God was worthy of all of his worship and all of his praise. I asked you earlier, are you ready? Do you really want to live in spiritual victory? Some of you have been tinkling around and mingling around and hanging around. God wants you to go in. Oh, your life's okay. It's not that big of a problem, but there's so much more. I want more of you. We sang it earlier. There's so much more. There's so much more of His grace. There's so much more of His love. There's so much more of His favor. There's so much more of His peace that passes all understanding. There's so much more of His forgiveness. There's so much more that His destiny has in store for you. Oh, we got to say, God, that's, that's got to be our song. I want more of you. There's every head bowed and every eye closed. While you're standing, you're here today. You know your life isn't right with God. Right in this moment. Right in this moment. You know your life isn't right with God. I want to give you that opportunity when I count to three. You know you're not in the place of more than enough in your life. I'm not saying you're not a Christian or anything like that. I'm just saying you know you're not in a place of spiritual victory in your life today. When I, want, when I count to three, I want you to raise your hand. One, two, three. Come on, raise your hand right now in this room. All across this room. Come on, raise your hand. Don't miss this moment. Don't miss this moment. I want you to lift your hands towards heaven all across this audience. We're going to close in just a moment. The worship team is going to lead us, so we're going to declare, I want more of you. Come on. When you begin to sing this, I want you to make this the declaration of your heart and your prayer today. Let's worship the Lord.